This morning we're going to be in John chapter 14. Uh, but before we read it together, I want to want to remind you of where we are in the story of John's gospel. We're right in the middle of Jesus's last meal with his disciples before he heads to the cross. Uh, in, in chapters 14 to 17, we're in the heart of Jesus's farewell discourse, the heart of Jesus's parting words to his disciples before he dies. Last week, we started looking at this meal by looking at Jesus washing the disciples' feet, looking particularly at at Judas and at Peter and their different trajectories in the story that Judas is going to betray Jesus, that Peter wants to be faithful to Jesus even to the point of death, and yet he is not going to be able to do it. And in both of them, we see our own incapacity to save ourselves. So this week, as we get into the heart of the discourse, Jesus has done his sign, his sign of washing the feet like he did signs of so many miracles earlier in the gospel, and the disciples have had some discussion and dialogue about what it all means, and we're moving more towards Jesus teaching the disciples exactly what's going on. And like a funeral, these words are intended for the disciples and for the people to whom the disciples will record these words the church, to understand two primary things about Jesus. His identity first, who he is, who is Jesus, and second, the meaning and purpose of everything that has happened and will happen. What does his life, what does his death mean? What is the significance of everything that Jesus has done and everything that Jesus will do. We're going to slow down a little bit as we read through chapters 14 and 17. We've been doing about a chapter a week, uh, and we're going to go a little bit more slowly through this because these words of Jesus are really important. And so over the next few weeks, I encourage you to be reading these chapters over and over again. It won't take you very long to even read um, all of the chapters every day. It's really four chapters, I'm sorry, 14 to 17. But even if you can't read four chapters a day, read one chapter a day and make sure you make, make it through all of it every week just as a discipline of moving along, I think that as we preach about it and talk about it and learn about it, it will make so much more sense if you have invested yourself in these words before we come together on Sunday morning. Let's pray as we prepare to hear God's word. Lord, we want to know who Jesus is because Jesus is our way into fellowship with the fullness of the triune God. So through his words, through your word, bring us to him and bring us to the fullness of your love, we pray. Amen. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I, t would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, how we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts find acceptance in your sight, Almighty Father. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Jesus begins this discourse by saying, don't, don't be worried. Don't be afraid. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. There are many places where you can remain with me and with the Father. There is room for you in the fellowship of me and the Father. And the disciples immediately begin asking questions. Jesus, it doesn't matter if you make a place for us there. If we don't know how to get there, it's not going to do us any good. And Jesus says, you do know the way. I am the way. We forget it sometimes these days because we have little devices in our pockets or in our cars that can tell us exactly how to get, get to a place with pretty good reliability, but navigating is pretty difficult. We know that things have changed because when was the last time you heard a wife joke about her husband getting lost all the time and refusing to ask for directions? We don't have those jokes a whole lot anymore because we all know mostly how to get where we're going if we just have our phones or our GPS units with us. But just 10 or 15 years ago, this was a common trope to, uh, to speak uh, not great about one's husband. Usually it was men who couldn't stop and ask for directions. They insisted that they knew where they were or that they could figure it out. If they just looked at the map a little bit longer, they could figure it out and get where they needed to go. And sometimes hours in the wrong direction, they would go, never stopping to ask for directions. The disciples, they know that they don't even know how to get started. Should we go north or south or east or west? Jesus, how do we get to where you are going? Back in the time before GPS, for a period of time, uh, my family had mostly moved to Jackson, but Dad's work was still primarily in Aberdeen. So every Monday morning or Sunday night, he would drive to Aberdeen, and every Friday evening, he would come back home and each time, it seemed, he tried a different route, trying to find the most efficient way to get from Jackson to Aberdeen. He tried going down Highway 8 to Houston and going down the Natchez Trace all the way, or maybe he'd get off of the Trace 82 and cut over to I-55. He found pretty quickly that uh, Highway 25 was not the fastest way because there wasn't much four-lane then on the route. 
And as my grandparents began to make the trips uh, to visit us or to meet my parents halfway to exchange grandkids, they would take different routes too. My mom's parents preferred the tried and true way and my grandfather, who was always driving the county roads of Monroe County, always seemed to try a different way too, but not looking for the fastest way, trying to just find the most direct route he could to Jackson. There were all these different options looking at a map trying to figure out how to get there because there wasn't any computer doing the math for us to tell us what was the shortest or what was the fastest route. The disciples know that they want to be with Jesus, but not even a map is going to help them figure it out. There are no coordinates they can plug into a GPS. They don't know where Jesus is going. And so even as Jesus tells them for their hearts not to be troubled, how can they not feel extraordinary anxiety? They've left everything behind to follow Jesus. And now he's saying, I'm going to a place that you can't follow me to. At least not yet. They could look at a map of Jerusalem and Galilee or the whole Mediterranean or even beyond what they knew at the time, a globe of the entire world. And Jesus couldn't point out to them where he was going. If somehow he made a model for them of the entire universe that we inhabit, he still couldn't point it out to them where he was going. Jesus, we don't know where you're going. How in the world are we going to get there? If we know the destination, you see, we can generally figure out a route. We might not pick the best course or the most efficient one or whatever we're looking for, but We'll probably get there eventually with a little bit of help if we have to stop and ask for directions, if we know where we're going. But if we don't know where we're headed, we're entirely lost, right? Except maybe not. You see, Dorothy and her friends didn't have any kind of map to get to Oz. They just had simple directions. Follow the yellow brick road. It will lead you to Oz. They didn't know where Oz was in relation to everything else, even their unique location, but they knew how to get where they were going. They knew the way to get there. I told you as we started that what we should be looking for as we hear these words from Jesus are words about his identity and words about what all of this means for his disciples and for the disciples of his disciples who expand all the way to us. First, we need to know who Jesus is. And to know who Jesus is, I want you to think a little bit about what you would need for a journey. What would you absolutely have to have for a long journey on foot as the disciples usually traveled? First, you would need provisions. You would need water. You would need bread. You would need good daylight or good moonlight to see where you are walking. And if you manage to get lost in a foreign place, you would need assistance. Someone to point you along the way. And in a unique sliver of the population, my generation, we grew up playing a computer game called the Oregon Trail. It was a simple game. You uh, tried to get your party from St. Louis or Chicago, wherever you chose to start, to Oregon. You were making the long trek to get there. And the joke about playing Oregon Trail is that no one ever played it without dying from dysentery. 
It's just a part of the game. Sometimes you got dysentery and the game was over. So you need something to make sure that you're well for the fullness of the journey. You need provisions, you need assistance, maybe a good physician, and you need a route. You need a good sense of how to get to the end destination. Who is Jesus? Who has Jesus told us he is throughout the gospel? Jesus is the source of living water that will well up within you such that you'll never be thirsty. Jesus is the bread of life that will sustain you with eternal life. Jesus is the good shepherd who seeks out and saves the lost when they wander off the trail or out of the pasture. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. The one that can bring you back even if you make a mistake and die along the way. And Jesus today tells us that he is the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is the way that we get to the Father. Jesus is everything. Jesus is all that you need for the journey. Go with Jesus. Jesus is the truth. All other truth is judged by him. Jesus is the source of life. If you are alive, it is because of Jesus. And Jesus tells us that the destination is not simply some place, somewhere, some point on a map or in the universe, but it's someone, a very particular someone. Jesus is the way to the Father. This is who Jesus is. So we know who Jesus is, but what does it all mean? What, is, what has happened and what is going to happen in the gospel, what does it mean? And Jesus tells us. Specifically, he tells Philip, who asks, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus says, anybody who's seen the Father has seen me. Anybody who's seen me has seen the Father. He says, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And take a moment and try to imagine that. Seriously, try to. We are in the church, but the church is not in us, at least not in the same way that we mean that we're in the church building. Water can be in a cup, but the cup is not in the water. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. To imagine that requires ongoing movement between the Father and Jesus. Deep, inseparable connections that could never be changed. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And as we hear Jesus speak these words, we begin to hear what ruffles the feathers of the Pharisees and the leaders of the temple all throughout his ministry. As Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. It's either brazen arrogance, bordering on insanity, or it's the truth. Jesus really does have that kind of communion with the Father, such that he himself can speak 
for God. That Jesus speaks the words of God to the disciples and to all who have ears to hear. Jesus tells Philip, if you can't make sense of all of that, if you can't believe that I am who I say I am, look at my works. And if you dwell in me like I dwell in the Father, you'll do the Father's works too. One of the things that makes some Christians either excited or a little bit uncomfortable with this particular passage about Jesus is its exclusivity. Jesus says, I am the way to the Father, not a way. I am the truth, not a truth. I am the life, not a life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus says. And as we hear that and maybe feel a little bit uncomfortable about it, it's important for us to see this in light of the rest of Jesus' ministry. Because you see, everyone around Jesus at the beginning of his ministry says no one is that close to the Father. They are, they are angry that Jesus himself would call God the Father. It's too intimate, too close, too familiar to speak of a God who is so far away and transcendent and above our way and thoughts. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. For Jesus to call God Father is offensive to nearly everyone who hears it and doesn't know who he is. But Jesus is making a way for us to be that close to God. Jesus is the way that we too can draw near to God the Father. Jesus says, I'm going to invite you into the communion that I have with God that is scandalous to everyone else. You can be a part of it too through me. Don't let it trouble you that you don't have a map. Don't let it trouble you that you can't pinpoint the spot that Jesus has gone to. Don't let it trouble you because it's as simple as following the yellow brick road. You might not know the destination along the way, but here is the short of it, Jesus says. Draw near to me, and when you are near to me, you will be right where you need to be because I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Here we begin to see the beauty of the triune life of God. Next week, Jesus is going to begin to speak about the Spirit also, and we're going to look at that. But right now, just recognize that you are invited into this beautiful life that Jesus already has with the Father and wants to make available for you. So how do we draw near Jesus has shown us. Jesus is the way that we draw near. As he begins to become that which quenches our every thirst, as he begins to become that which satisfies our, ever, our every hunger pain, as he is the source of our life, the one who finds us when we stray away like lost sheep, as we draw nearer and nearer to him. The mechanism for this is simple. It's abiding in the means of grace, reading scripture, 
entering into prayer, uniting with God's people for worship and prayer, for accountability and deep fellowship and friendship and growth. It is loving the stranger and the poor in our midst because Jesus says when we do that to others, we do it to him. This is how we draw near to Jesus. So don't let your hearts be troubled. In his Father's place, the place where the infinite God who expands beyond all space and time abides, there's room for you. There is room for you to abide with God, to remain with God in the eternal life of Jesus now and always. This isn't some promise available only to you in some future by and by, but right now, as the Spirit lives and abides and moves and empowers the church to be the body of Christ in the world. Do you want to draw near to Jesus? Do you want Jesus to bring you into the fullness of the life and love of the triune God? He is the light. He is the life. He is the bread. He is the living water. He is the way and the truth and the life. He is all that you need. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, as our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you, draw us to you. Draw us to you so that we can see the Father. Draw us to you that we can abide with you and in your life and light now and always. Motivate us, O Lord, to do everything that we can to be near you, to bask in your light, to live in your freedom, to know your grace. This we pray in your holy, precious, and powerful name. Amen.